The amount of, I say this to any new agent that will listen to me. <laughs> Small subset of people. You would be surprised. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, I listen to you. I say like, sacrifice the first 12 months of your career. They're like, what does that even mean? Don't worry about how much money goes into your bank account for the first 12 months. Well, I want to make $100,000 this year. Newsflash, first of all, you're not going to. <laughs> Second of all, don't worry about how much you make. Follow someone around that knows what they're doing and sit in on every single meeting and every single buyer interaction, every conversation with them and just learn. Because it took me, the, and I'm not joking when I say this to people, but I did 17 transactions in year one, but I saw 75. So 75 for most realtors is a decade, is 10 years. So I got 10 years of experience in, in my first eight months. And then year two, uh, I don't know, it was like 75. It was a big jump. But so the point two of the story is 75. 76, yeah. That's good. I remember weird numbers. <laughs> <laughs> but the important thing is that, okay, so, the, so what, back was your, to my story. what was your three? Year three was over 100. Four? Uh, that was my biggest year. I think it was 110. It was like between 106. Let's and just keep going. Five. Year five is when we started bringing on other team members. So I started outletting more and just kind of overseeing transactions. But like our team grew. So the busiest year our team was 210, which was last year. And that was five of you, correct? Yep. Big numbers. Not many people are mentally stupid enough to take on 110 transactions per year. <laughs> it was an unconscionable. <laughs> and I know that's a word. <laughs> I was going to say made up word. <laughs> it was a ridiculous amount of, of time, stress, energy, emotions. <laughs> like it was unbelievable. It was seven days a week of... 7 a.m. to 2 a.m. With like an hour break at 9 p.m. for dinner. And so what, what, what gave? Was it, I think I remember it was your health, correct, that year? I definitely put that on the back burner. Uh, I mean, like, I was inefficient because I was newer. I was, that, at that point, I was like two or three, three years in or whatever. And so I took more time than I would now to do simpler things mm -hmm. like evaluating a property. Evaluating condos takes 15 minutes versus back then it might have taken an hour, an mm -hmm. hour and a half because I'd spend more time because I wasn't as confident uh, because I hadn't seen as much. So what, I don't know. I, I think really what me and Jamie wanted to do was provide better service to more people. We had come up with this strategy and game plan and marketing plan that works. And there's a lot of realtors that don't really know what they're doing. And so we thought if we can share all this information that we have from these hundreds of transactions every year with other people to make them better realtors, then consumers are going to get better service or the, a bigger portion of consumers are going to get better service. Mm -hmm. It pains me so much, Brady. Dealing with people that do a few transactions per year, which is not their fault. They just haven't had enough experience. Mm -hmm. 
but that are just giving people really bad advice. And now people are making mistakes with very large investments. Mm -hmm. And I want to stop that from happening one transaction at a time, one home sale at a time, one happy couple at a time, Brady. (laughs) The, The big endeavor. I mean, depends how you look at it. But if you look at it as I'm going to take over the world, which is not how I look at it, then yeah, it's a, it's a big endeavor. Uh, there are so many different personalities of humans on the planet. <laughs> and I just have been okay that some listing appointments, people just aren't going to like me. And they're not going to pick me. And that's totally fine. But in year one or two, when I lost listing appointments, it was devastating. Because <laughs> like every single deal meant so much. Right. And I was confused as to why people, no, no, no. Like, trust me, we're better. We're better. I've done a lot of market research. I've met hundreds of realtors in the last 12 months. And we just do things better than that person. But that's not necessarily the way you should be articulating your, your, your competitive advantage. But it is strange. Well, fit is like everything. With most things, like then I started learning as I started working with more professionals myself of like, you work with people that, that you enjoy being around and yes, they need to have a skill set. Case in point. Thank you. (laughs) You being around me or me being around you? Both. We're incredible. (laughs) Super honest. I love that. Uh, I don't even know where I was going. <laughs> Speechless. Oh, you learn. You learn like, um, if you weren't good at what you're doing, mm-hmm. I wouldn't use you. But because you're good and you're my friend, I really like, first of all, supporting you. And I really like that I can call you and harass you anytime I want. It's true. <laughs> it's true. I'm okay with it. But yeah. it's the same as anything like home inspectors that we refer out, contractors. <clears throat> Like when you have, when you're able to trust people outside of the actual profession, it, I think it means a lot more. Well, it makes life a lot easier when you know in no matter, or in any situation that it's going to be, they're going to do what's in the best interest, right? Like that, I mean, we talked about the hundred bags of, uh, self-leveler, uh, and instantly you're like, well, you're no matter what you say now, your credibility's gone. It's gone. Like this is insane that you approached. Don't even have to get into the backstory because I don't really want to talk about it. But uh, Carl knows and you know, but Hunter Bags of Self Leveler guy came at me five days before, felt like a squeeze. Um, their trust is broken. No matter how much I like that person, and I didn't really like him to begin with. After that, like, okay, you're gone. Like, there's no way. There's no coming back from that. And that was obviously a, a subset of something else. But um, it's everything. It's everything. Trust. Easily, hard to gain, easy to break, something like that. What's the saying? There's a saying. There's- I do understand that saying, but I also try to not run my life in that direction. I feel like it's slightly counterproductive to make people prove themselves to you. 
feel like you are making slow progress instead of potentially making giant leaps quicker. Well, and, and the hope is dealing with people that, you know, today, for example, right, meeting Derek, borrowing trust, right? Like that's the realities, but you can get a sense of him and you see who he is pretty quickly. Um, but at the end of the day, sometimes there's fit and sometimes there's not. Simple. In any business, it seems like the referrals are the strongest, most loyal clients, right? And it takes a long time, a long a lot of effort, a lot of experience, a lot of trial and error to earn those referral clients. But then once they, like once you start seeing the snowball effect of past clients referring you business, makes you know that you're on the right track a little bit. Do you, I guess, what nurturing do you do for your centers of influence or referral sources or um yeah do you have a process for that this is a constant evolution in the business and it's something that we like <clears throat> talk about probably every few months on like how we can do it better because it is it is a fine line between like making sure that you are reaching out to people making sure that people know you exist after you buy or sell a home with us or you invest money with you or whatever, but also borderline harassing people. (laughs) Like people don't want to get 12 letters in the mail and just throw paper into the garbage. Right. So it's like, it's this balance of communicating consistently. The right kind of annoying is what I heard. Yeah, but I guess in our industry, it's like providing some sort of knowledge, providing Mm -hmm. value. So the podcast is really great for that. Mm -hmm. And so our client newsletters that are like month or our email newsletters that are monthly are like, check out the most recent podcast where we talk about this. This is what's new with the team. This is what's new going on in real estate in Greater Vancouver, whatever. And it's more just like market updates that we're sharing information. Mm Mm-hmm or like deal of the month or like places to look for long-term investments or whatever. Uh, We do a lot of things. We do stationary. We do like birthday cards and anniversary cards Mm -hmm. yearly. We, I'd say the things that are the most fun and personally I get the most value out of, but I think clients probably enjoy the most are those like yearly parties, events. So we... We tr- like July is the fun one that at the brewery with like this year we had sixteen hundred people there. Most like most of this go? is you get to go. Uh, Carl was invited. You were invited. You were invited. Uh, marginally offended. <laughs> you were definitely invited. <laughs> I was like, if we're selling the condo now, I get to no. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You were invited last year. If you deleted the email, that's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember July. Uh, these pricks yeah, are annoying yeah. me again. Delete. <laughs> it's okay. That event is awesome, though. I think we had about 350 people this year. 
Oh. The 1600 is like, it's the Steel and Oak anniversary party that we just like have a tent at and invite all our oh, wow. clients okay. to and give them free beer. So yeah, I think it was a roughly 350 people that came out, but those are so fun. Mm-hmm. And it is like a complete whirlwind of day because you're just like talking to everyone. So many different people and it's like catching up. How was that neighborhood? Whatever. Oh my gosh, you had another kid. Like it's, it's crazy. Uh, but they're really fun and clients love it. And so those types of things mm-hmm. I think are really good for client retention and to catch up. Honestly, social media is an unbelievable tool, right? Like hundreds and hundreds of past clients follow us and they feel like they know everything about us and they're updated on our lives. Mm-hmm. And Jamie moved to North Van and Denny moved to Port Moody and Jamie had another kid and bought another dog and had a cat and got, you know, swiped by a bear and like, <laughs> but like personal, totally. And that, that is a really cool part of being active on social media. Yes. It's good for marketing listings. Yes. It's good for building a brand, but it's also really good for staying in touch with past clients. Mm-hmm. Even just like the, engaging with past clients on social media when they're posting about their lives you're commenting or saying hello or whatever um i think those are really valuable but honestly it's a constant work in progress because we want to like we want to uh tiptoe that line of staying in contact with people but never being annoying or never doing it just because we feel like we're supposed to do it but we're trying to add some sort of value or knowledge in the way that we're communicating with them. Mm -hmm. If you have any super exciting ideas, feel free to share them. No, no, I was was looking to steal from you (laughs) first. Um, Like we want, we want to touch, like touch, like reach out to people 12 to 15 times a year. That's our goal. 12 to 15. Wow. So a birthday card is one, an anniversary card of when they moved into their new home is one. Kids' birthdays uh, are better than their birthdays. I would I'd like... Yeah, but I don't think you're allowed to give kids scratch and win tickets. But honestly, <laughs> like just even the fact of sending, it's hard. Because totally. You yeah. start having like, you know, how many... Uh, I'm blanking on your partner's name. Jamie. Jamie, how many kids does he have? Three. Three. Right, like to remember to send three birthday cards at different mm-hmm. subsequent times and, and have it there before, it's challenging. Yeah. Like, I don't care about my birthday. You know, be the most challenging part of that, though, is collecting the information. So this is, you have to understand that realtors are not organized individuals. Never have been, never will be. We are fly by the seat of our pants, don't know what's going on 24 hours from now. And so collecting extra information on top of all the other information that we have to collect. Absolutely. Such as a kid's birthday is uh, a step above where we are today <laughs> and again I'm not, I, I mean again that's just what i've felt right the a birthday card for me i don't care about my birthday my wife doesn't care about my birthday it actually is in between two of my daughter's birthdays it's irrelevant now <laughs> it was irrelevant before totally but now it's extra irrelevant so the the i get it and that's a really good idea i just don't know how that would be implemented retroactively and again uh, that's so it's easier for me you know we handle our esps for kids so or for parents so we have their date of birth Mm. but it's one of the things that i wanted to start tracking uh moving forward and as we continue to review with people is like what's so-and-so's uh kid's date of birth and not that we have to send a birthday card but 
in mine, there's stats around generational wealth and the transfer that's coming, $1.3 trillion in assets over the next 25 years, and 90% won't stay with current advisors. Isn't that like one one hundredth of how much money Trudeau gave out in the last two years? It doesn't even sound like that much money anymore because everyone's just giving it away. True. Trillion is still for Canada. That's a <laughs> sizable number. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I'm going to sidestep that one. Um, but you, you kind of go, and, and that generational transfer to me, I was like, that's the money, right? The, the short game, survive, long game, like thrive. Um, and again, can you build that relationship with the next generation? through and is sending a birthday card going to be the end of it no you know retroactively going back and tracking all that heart um but i think those are the touch points at least if somebody sent a birthday card to harlow i'd be like oh that was how did you track that right like that's the first question that comes to my mind we have a crm where i'm like kids names dates of birth mm-hmm. even if we don't handle their asps just to like mm-hmm. we have this information so that you know, even walking into a meeting, hey, there's a meeting. Hey, how's Harlow? Like that little thing means more to people than like happy birthday. Mm-hmm. You remembered my kid's name? Oh, how's Emma? And again, I'm just using obviously myself as the example. Well, not obviously, I'm using myself as the example, but like that touch point, people care. Like it shows you paid attention, even though. I tracked it in my CRM and wrote it down and looked while I was in the driveway. <laughs> Half kidding, but doesn't matter, right? I at least made the effort. Um, that's what I've found, right? The, I say the training of, of clients or COI or centers of influence or, you know, referral sources. We'll get a referral from a client and... Or it's like, oh, I passed on your name or I did this. The training around that to be like, how did you reach out to us? Like, oh, you know, so-and-so just connected us via email. Absolutely. I find that's a better way because unfortunately, people don't really get in contact. Oh, so I should connect you via email? If you want to, absolutely. But like, I find, put the ball in my court, they're actually going to act. And, and I, that, that's the training I've found with a lot of clients now is like, especially if they're the right type of, type of clients, like that, here's how we want to be introduced. Because unfortunately, like I gave your contact info to Bob, Bob's never going to call. Mm-hmm. Or, or if he does, it's too late. Like there's not much we can help with or somebody else has been like, just there's, there's too many, too much noise. I find like that's the training I'm, I'm doing with a lot of the clients we we want to work with is like, hey, you should meet this person. Great. Can you connect me by email or connect me text message? Easier too, right? That, that adding, adding that little bit of um, layer, I guess. I don't know what to call it, but those are the things we've just been trying to put a focus on for our centers of influence or our referral sources where it's like, great, you passed on my name. Doesn't really mean much, right? Unless the person acts, which in my industry is seldom. Um, Mm. So, and again, I don't know how to make it so that like the client you want to work with that's, you know, selling the $2 million home. I'm just using that as an example for you. Or 
you know, an up and coming business owner, like those are the things where it's like, how do we, how do we get that intro early to be in the conversation? So as they grow, like our foot's already in the door. I don't know. I don't have an answer. And I, I feel like financial literacy and investing is very intimidating for people. Numbers. They always feel like regardless of how much money they have to invest, 50 grand, 100 grand, 500 grand, doesn't matter. They always feel like, I don't know if, like, will he be, will he make fun of me that I only have 50 grand to throw at him? Like, I think that is pretty common versus real estate is like, no, I need to move tomorrow. (laughs) And uh, I'm going to sell my one bedroom condo because my wife just had a kid and we need to move immediately. Yeah. Right? Versus... There's, there's, urgency. I've got 50 grand. Maybe I'll call them when I have a hundred grand saved or what, you know, whatever. Yep. I, I, uh, I was with a client, older client. It was pretty wild. So he pulled out this account. He's 96 years old. Keep this in mind. Have I told you this one already? I no, don't think I have. Good for this guy. Holy 96 years cow. old. Pulls out this account. I had no idea it existed. But he's like, oh, I have this extra here. And I'm looking at him going, Oh, wow. He's like, it's incredible. Oh, okay. I'm taking a look at it. I go, a bank account is incredible. So it was actually invested. Okay. (laughs) And I was like, sorry, how long have you been contributing to this account? He goes, since I was 16. Whoa. Right. And I was like, how, how much have you been putting into it since he's like $97 a month month? since he was 16. And I'm like, holy you've been doing this for 80 years one how did you afford like 80 years ago good point 97 dollars relative he was in the military he's like i wasn't spending anything so i just decided to save it and i never really stopped the actual and he never increased the contribution that's on that account like on again, that not, he's okay. not poor by no means um he's got other challenging issues now um but i and honestly, the actual underlying investments were, were not great, but the sheer time to accumulate, I was like, I mean, obviously I haven't done anything. None of us have been, combined. We actually haven't done anything for almost, well, maybe close 80 years, been alive. Um, that's about it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, but I was just so shocked at the sheer habit of accumulation over that. Like, it makes sense. I get it. But. Just, and then I was also a little like, why didn't you tell me about this account sooner? Why, like, I would have wished, I wish I knew it existed. He's like, well, it's incredible. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to bash it other than the habit is incredible. (laughs) The habit is incredible. 80 years at $97 a month. I think it was worth just shy of three with the underlying investments, but just sheer accumulation. So, so come back to that, like $3 million. No, 300,000. Oh, no, again, not like, no, but just do them at $97 a month. So what's that? 12. Do you have a calculator there? What's 1200 times 80? I can't do that math in my head. 12,000. No, I can't even, I'm not even going to bother. hundred years is what? 120? 1200 times 80. 1200 times 80 is 96,000. So tripled almost. Just the sheer time. So like that person, and that's, that's that financial literacy side of things. You know, most people will never do that. That's obscene. Um, Challenge accepted. (laughs) 
97 dollars a yeah. month ready 80 years here we go Hold on, i'm 33 so 80 <laughs> years is gonna put me to 113 i could i could make it <laughs> but it was just i was i was like flabbergasted right like how like how and i i, I should have gone back and seen what like well 80 years ago what's 97 dollars a month and with inflation like what is that in today's dollars yeah but yeah never increased it 300,000 to be completely honest over 80 years seems very low. But on a on what did we say 96,000? But that would 000? be like Yeah, but that would be like a a low interest savings account. That's not like you're compounding yearly at 8 or 10%. I think it was like 4 and a half over 80 years. Like some of the companies that it was like a Canadian equity fund or whatever he was in don't exist, right? Like there's probably many companies within that have bought sold bankrupt um that's why I said the underlying investments were actually not that great. It was just the sheer time, habit and time. And I was like, whoa, okay. Like how did, again, 80 years is incomprehensible. Like I can't comprehend that obviously at our ages. Uh, as I said, the only thing we've done for more than 80 years is live uh, between the three of us. Fair enough. Um, but that, that literacy to, to say to the individuals, like I only have 50. It's like, well, you got to start somewhere and, like, look at this individual. Habit. Over and over and over again. Running, real estate, advising, this film room, right? Like, this didn't happen overnight. Habit. Essentially. I mean, like, the last three years has gone very fast. Very fast. <laughs> what did you say, 120 episodes? Is that what you said? Yeah. Episode one to, like, seven or eight was in your dining room. In your one-bedroom condo. That's right. That's right. Yes. <laughs> one to seven. Yeah. <laughs> We didn't know what the hell we were doing. I think we wore costumes to one of them. I mean, Halloween is here. Remember? I'm dressing up I think for it was Steve. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we wore costumes. I don't know. I did some dumb things early on. I bought a bunch of t-shirts that I thought were going to be cool. And I was like, this is uncomfortable for me. So if I wear a funny t-shirt, at least I'll be like the funny guy that's on the video on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> like a Looney Tunes basketball t-shirt. That, that like, stopped after one episode. Just, no. I, I think I wore, I think I bought like five or six t-shirts and I wore them once. <laughs> There's like a Harry Potter t-shirt. There was a Dunder Mifflin t-shirt from the office. Dunder Mifflin, nice. I still got them all. I just haven't worn them in three years. <laughs> For a good reason. Probably. Young people in both our industries, I think, are a bit intimidated. To buy real estate is very expensive. And I think on the outside, looking in, if you've never bought or sold real estate, it's confusing. There's a lot of costs. And it seems like you got to be super wealthy to own real estate in Great Vancouver. I think in your industry too, like it is uh, uncomfortable for a lot of people that maybe don't have wealthy, well, uh, grew up in a wealthy family that don't have a lot of like guidance to this is how you should look to invest or whatever. Do you have any, um, how do conversations with younger people that don't have a ton of money to invest, but want to start? Like how do those go? Because I know you're a very approachable person and you are a very non-judgmental person. And if somebody comes to you and says, hey, I, I have, you know, a small amount of money comparatively to the 96-year-old or like some wealthy clients that you have, <clears throat> your approach is not, oh, I, sorry, I don't have time for you. It's like, this is great. This is how we start. And this is what we want to do moving forward. And I, I think that's why I loved seeing this 96-year-old. Like I loved it. I was like, it's a good story to share, Ooh, to be honest. Oh, man, like 80 years. 
$97 a month. Because you say that to people now, they're like, 100 bucks a month, like, who cares? Like, that's not a lot. It's like four Starbucks. <laughs> um, and like getting that habit going. So, so I think it's intimidating. I mean, before we, we grabbed lunch today, the Zoom I had with a young woman, um, I didn't ask what was in this account or that. It didn't matter. Just one is fit. Two is, you know, are there areas I think I can improve the situation? And then what can we focus on your habits? Because at her age, you know, mid-20s, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Almost nothing matters, right? Like financial literacy is important. Having a lot of money is great, but chances are most 25-year-olds are not going to have half a million of disposable assets. Sure. Maybe not even 10 grand of disposable assets. Um, and it's, can we put the focus on the habit? The, the results will come. The, um, and I think that's the approach I take. You know, obviously it's great to work with people that make a lot of money, but I'll say also in my experience, the ones that I, I thought would turn out maybe the way I thought they would didn't. And the ones that I didn't think to have like come out of the woodwork and you're like, okay, first thing is fit. Like, do I like them? Do they like me? You know, number one. Um, and you know, what are their commitments to habits? I have clients that are making boatloads of money, terrible habits, spend everything. And you're like, okay, well that's kind of crappy. <laughs> I thought you'd be great. Um, <laughs> And, and the sad part is those people also need more. You know, the person making half a million dollars a year in retirement is not going down to 50. Whereas a couple that's, you know, both of them making 75, 80, which is a good income, but save 50% of their income. They're going to have a better retirement than that person. Simply based on habits, right? They're great people. They have good habits. That's the focus. And, and that long game... You know, I mentioned $1.3 trillion in assets. Inevitably, their parents will pass away. They'll sell the house, da-da-da-da-da. And if you've, you know, stayed in communication, you like talking to them, you helped them along the way, the money doesn't ever leave, which I think is the, that's my, still my approach. You know, we've gotten a bit choosier, but we also have the capacity with, you know, another couple of advisors on the team, the administrative, um, to just, you know, what are their expectations and, and handle those things and watch them, watch them grow. Right. Um, I've had three clients that have won the lottery. Whoa. Different lotteries and nothing, not like a 70 million or 50 million. Um, what was one, one, the thousand dollars a week or whatever that one. For 25 years? Something like that, yeah. No, it was Except for life. Yeah, that's right. I've seen that. Before yeah. before they were clients of mine. Um, but you're like... What does that work out to? Are you you get a choice. You can either take a lump sum... 52,000 times But the lump sum years. is a lot less, right? Then. It's a present value calculation. It's 1.3 million. Yeah. But then it, it also... Like, you can take, I think, 680,000 up front. Or you can take that $1,000 a month for life. What would you suggest? Well, present value calculation is better because it's got dollars now. But also if you suck with money, are you just going to go blow it? Stupid stuff. 
cars, trips, stuff that is not appreciating. And again, sadly, 600,000 does not get you very far. Um, but that is better. But, you know, if they are terrible with money, maybe they just take the thousand dollars a month or a, a week, excuse me. It's interesting because when you actually multiply that out, that $52,000 a year, that's like a tax free though. Okay. So that's like a $70,000 salary per it year? Depends, but roughly. yes. 68. Yeah. Somewhere in there. So it's like adding a salary to your income, basically. Yeah. Tax free, like that. And that's where, again, you go the 652000 or whatever it is. Uh, it might be a little more or a little less, but I think I remember reading on one. Um, but you buy a couple of investment properties with that. And 25 years later, whew, let's go. Now we got $4 million worth of assets in real estate. Instead of $1.3 million. We're shoving into the equity market and we see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or both. We re-leverage, the, boring. we re-leverage the property, <laughs> put it into the equity market, deduct the interest. There we go. We get the best of both worlds. There's a ridiculous amount of options through investments. And talking to people like you and Jordan blow my mind every time I talk to you. Oh, that's positive. I don't. You're sharing weird little like ways around and all these interest saving things. It's wild. And it is, this is why I like, I encourage young people to, regardless of whether you have a shit ton of cash or not, is just like talk to people that are pros in that space and learn and save on taxes and things like that. Biggest expense. Not hiring an accountant is hilariously mind blowing to me. I, I get that you have to have like a certain amount of income to make it worth it. Totally understand that. But like I've done one tax return of eight at H&R Block before in my life <laughs> and it was a joke <laughs> so quality of realtor quality of accountant sure 100 percent. right uh, i mean i've seen people with some of the big 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 accounting firms and some of the advice they're getting i'm going uh, i won't even share numbers but it was like 10 years of bad advice from an accountant and i was chatting with this person for the last like four and i was like you should be doing this it was only after some changes they left that their now different accountant was like, why, why didn't you do it this way for 10 years? And I'd been harassing. And again, I'm not an accountant, so, but just simple like, hold co, dividend down, don't pay personal tax. Or defer, you will pay it eventually to full disclosure. Mm. But <laughs> like that, defer. Um, and we were out for lunch. And I drove the knife in, unfortunately. Did you ever calculate how much in taxes you paid that you could have deferred out and how much more money you would have had and over the bull market, what that would have been? He goes, you're a dick. I'm like, but I'm glad you did it now. But again, big firm, bad accounting. Mm. So I, I think in any industry, but yeah, tax, single largest expense you'll ever pay in your life. And I think, you know, obviously, not to jump into it, but like people always get caught up, especially mortgage rates jumping, right? Today, 50 basis points. I told you we'd talk about it. Um, you know, like the immediate reaction, pay down mortgage, which it is super important and it feels good. Um, What's well, one of the analogies I heard? 
You'll never see people like, you know, you see people light their mortgage on fire when they pay it off. You'll never see people light their portfolio statement on fire, even though it's actual money, right? Like that's real money versus paying off your mortgage is like, we, you just don't have any debt anymore, right? So it feels good. And, and, you know, I battle with people like, I want to pay my mortgage off as fast as possible. And you're like, let's look at this as a math equation. If you had a set amount of dollars, 10 grand, five grand, 50 grand, whatever the number is, what are our options? And what is better, better from a math equation? One's a guarantee, one's not. I'm not saying one's like, it's better. It's probably a balance is the realities. But if you could save tax at 50% and then use that return and put it on your mortgage, we're getting the best of both worlds. Or, or even diving into, one of my favorites was, pay on my mortgage off as fast as possible. God, amazing. What are you going to do when you pay it off? Buy another property. So take on more debt. <laughs> like, is that, like, I'm, am I hearing that correctly? Yep. Yeah. Okay, well, we've gotten to an issue. You think that's the best avenue, and that's okay. I don't disagree. I've drank the Kool-Aid too, I promise. Um, you know, maybe it's a combination of both. And your tax rate's 50%. So let's say that first. And then, like, that's the game of, of investing, right? It's just, again, habits. Tax planning, investment planning, whether it's real estate, whether it's traditional equity markets, whether it's something in between, right? The limited partnerships, the alternative investments, right? Art. You know, if I can, excuse me. Um, you can put money into anything now. Crypto. You can say what you want. <clears throat> Carl checks the explicit category on podca- on every single podcast. I was trying podcast, not so. to. I was trying not to. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the, it's all the habits, right? Like that's all the matter. Real estate, it, you leverage 30% of your money and paid it off for 25 to 30 years. Investing in real estate is a forced habit. Saving. Because every single month you have a mortgage payment. And if it's investment property, every single month you have a renter that is paying you money that you're contributing to that mortgage payment and the strata fee or whatever it is. And it's forced versus the savings plan where you steal my money every Monday. If at any point I could just be like, Brady, stop stealing my money. It's not say stealing. (laughs) I understand you like that, but I don't. Uh, Yes, you could. And and again, that's the, because the actual math equation on the equity market, it will beat real estate, but you can't have a podcast in your equity portfolio inside your corporation. You can't, the actual math, the, the biggest advantage of, of, especially the principal residence, tax exempt. Like that's, you can't. For now, for now. Uh, I mean, I. We have a socialist government, Brady. I never know what the hell JT is going to do. We're going back to this. You never know. So no, I'm not going to sidestep this. One. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, maybe, possibly. Can you hear me? Um, I think that's political suicide. Personally, um, I think the inclusion rate is a, an easier one to hit on the, the capital gains. Um, but um, talk talk about that. What's the inclusion rate? Uh, what's that one? This is a fruited pale ale. Living the dream. Here, I'll try that one. All right. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so Twin if you're not, sales. If, what's that? Twin sales. So if you're not familiar with the capital gains inclusion rate. No, I'm not. Uh, 
Are you? This is why I talk to you. I learn something every single time. Oh, you know it. So you bought something, property for a hundred grand, because that's reality. Um, you sold it for 200 grand. That is a $100,000 gain. Currently, the inclusion rate is 50%. So of that gain, 50% is taxable at, depending on where it's held, corporation or personal, let's say personal, your marginal tax rate, 50%, or let's say your marginal tax rate is 40% for easy math's sake, you're going to pay $20,000 in tax. Assuming nothing else. Let's not say there's deductions and stuff like that. Just plain math. So the talk is, one, one of the talks is increasing that inclusion rate to 60%. So instead of in that same example, bought something for 100, sold it for 200,000, instead of 50,000 being taxable, up to 100,000, 50, sorry, it would be 60, or it going up to 75%. Now, who's talking about this? It's one of the conversations that's been talked about for, um, from your boy, JT. My boy. I never voted for JT, and I will not vote for JT moving forward. <laughs> This is a political message from me. <laughs> um, that's one of the conversation pieces. Obviously, the principal residence exemption is another one. You know, is there grandfathering? Is there not? Um, the capital gains could be honestly more punitive um, because suddenly, if everything rises by 25% in tax, you know, is there a forced fire sale to get it done before if it's January 1st? Fire sale before then get it gone because I'd rather not pay 75% tax in the future. Who knows? Um, you know, what, do you call, what do you call that style of government? Uh, socialist? Approaching. God, are we allowed to say that? I don't know if we're allowed <laughs> to say that word. Uh, word. It I seems mean, so strange. It I seems mean, so strange to, to take away incentive from people. Well, that's part the of The general public, no incentive for you. The harder you work, doesn't make any difference part of the problem it right? makes sense uh, why, why take the risk um when the benefits aren't as good um and i mean uh, that's part of the problem i think that why they've not done it it's probably political suicide too right the the realities are what's in our control because by the time we are actually selling things you know either retirement or dead death um the rules are going to change 40 yeah, times over. you're going to live to 113 so that's correct 80 years lots of things are going to change and it, the realities are what's in our control now and then also what's impacting us now what the inclusion rate is today means nothing because if we're not selling or not doing anything for 30 years mm -hmm. it's only then that it impacts us and and you know, I think uh, Jordan K.O. was on the podcast before, right? I think he briefly talked about some of the, maybe didn't, small business grind downs and all these things with the corporations and those rules are going to change again. And who knows, like we're playing in the sandbox we're in today, but four years from now or three years, whatever the election is, rules could change again. Conservative government comes in. Um, 2024? Is that what it is? Because I think Trudeau called in the early election right. end of 2020. It's all a blur, man. I'm or is it 2021? I thought it was, I don't know. Maybe it was only one year ago, so it might be 2025. But I don't know, is that a... 2025. Oh, it is, so it's four years <clears throat> from that yeah, point. Yeah, it's four-year term, yeah. Yeah. But again, what, what, 
What can I control and what can't I? Do you like the Canadian system that you can be the prime minister for all of eternity or do you like the uh, U.S. system where you get two terms? I think I prefer the U.S. in that, not that you're booted, but at least there's some change. Um, I think it gets a bit uh, stale. And yeah, I just I, I like the U.S. system. You get eight years, potentially eight years, then you're up. Um, I, and again, I don't even know if it's, if, if it can be made this way, I think it should be more performance based personally, but then there's, but then who judges the performance? When macroeconomics that are completely out of your control, war in Russia, you know, COVID 2020. If there's a panel, I'd like to volunteer myself to be in the panel. But I, have I told you I'm going to run for district council in North Van? No. 2020. Are you serious? Six. Yeah. It just happened at the, the municipal election. So I'm going to... The next time. Yeah. I oh. have no idea what I'm doing. And I've... Uh, do you have like a team? Or how, do, how does... How does <laughs> yeah, okay, this, this is actually a good question. Yeah. How does municipal council work? You just run as like, hey, I'm Brady. I'd like to be on the board. Yeah. You don't like team up with other people and be like, this I mean, is the group can. that we'd like to go? You can. Um, there's an individual, Jordan Back, who I've gotten to know in the North End District Council, who's just a, a, a good individual. Um, it's a seems more popularity because the voting, like the amount of votes you get, is not huge, right? I think they only got twenty. You can verify this, but I think it's about twenty-seven percent or thirty percent of the people. And I'm I, and again, I'm talking North End District mm-hmm. voted. I think Poor Mood is the same. It was like just over thirty percent. Yeah, of people voted. I mean, which is of, a hilariously low number because there's only like thirty thousand people in Poor Mood. <laughs> so thirty percent is like what six thousand people of thirty thousand. 30%, 33 is 9,000. 9, so, it, 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 like, I, I want to say it's like a thousand votes is like, you're in for sure. Um, but it's actually probably the most directly impactful. What was it, dude? It was uh, 15,032 total ballots counted. How many people live in North End? Oh, percent. the district, right? Yeah, North End district. District, yeah. All these population things are Why still do they in separate it like that? Langley, Langley has that too. I mean, there's been a whole, what was it? Uh, 2016, there says 85,000 people. So I'm sorry, 32,000 votes? Is that what you 15,000 15, votes. 15,000. So, so I probably 20, 25%, give or take. Even less. Just yeah. the district of North Van is 85? Just the district. So, but that's in 2016. So, so now it's probably 100K, 100, 15,000. So 15%? Yeah. That's like, so low. Exactly. Right. And I think Jordan got, he was the highest voted at 12.9% because you vote for six, right? Yeah like 12% mm-hmm. voted for him, right? He, he was the highest counselor. Not that he doesn't deserve it. I think this is his third term. It's a four-year term. Um, I think he's great, uh, biased, but um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting. Um, I have no idea what I'm doing. Uh, but at the same time, it was like my, you know, I got asked by a, a buddy today, like, why? Impact. My next question was, why do you want to do this? I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll speak from my own. I've lived in the North Van District my whole life. I lived a little bit in the city because there's like, I think Lonsdale and a weird chunk is city of Van or North Van. Yeah. Um, but predominantly I've lived in the, the North Van District. Um, and I think the impact thing is interesting to me. You know, like I'll, I'll probably be in the district for, or the city, one of the two, for most of my life at this point um 
And I looked at the demographic of a lot of the people on the council pre this before this last election and was like, that's not representative of me. I think there was one business owner, maybe two. Most of the average age was like mid to late 50s. That's not representative of me, right? Mid 30s, business owner, few young kids, soon to be a few young kids. Um, you know, let's, let's see if we can make an impact. Um, have no idea, but we'll see. It, it um, could be a huge flop and a uh, real reality check of, oh, you, people don't think you're that good. Um, but at the end of the day, like, we'll see. And I, and I think impact, that's what I'm, that's what I'm going on. Um, you know, the bike lanes, the bike lanes, big one, just cause we had it put in front of our house and I'm a cyclist. I'm like, this doesn't like one way makes sense, but the other way, like that doesn't make sense to me. Um, and it was too late. It was happening, which is fine. But things like that, where I'm like, are they consulting people that are actually, and they aren't, well, I mean, they are to an extent for the people that actually want to speak. Um, but those are things where I'm like, oh, can I make an impact? Maybe, probably not. But, uh, what's the other one? Turf fields is in the district. Um, and I don't know the numbers, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to probably shove my foot in my mouth, but like the schools that want to put a turf field, uh, the district will only put grass. That's all they'll pay for. So Hansworth right now got torn down. They had a track and grass field. They're only putting grass back in. I don't even think they're putting a track back in. Um, it's only either paid for by the community or some sort of donor. So you're going to increase the capital gains tax to put oh, yeah. fields in everywhere. Well, but and I mean, I ask it's to me. I go, well, what's the what's the cost? What's the maintenance? You know, how long does it last versus grass? What's the ma- ongoing maintenance? Now this gets into a whole probably like your what's the South Park? You took our jobs, right? Like um, uh, that whole conversation, which is which is concerning of course because those are voters but at the same time you go isn't this just a math equation and can we can we get input from the community that wants a turf field that wants usage that want like that's interesting to me i feel like if you're just worried about pleasing a voter you are doomed the city is doomed well you the asked, district is doomed well you asked the we're question, all going down why is there a city in a district <clears throat> there's a west van city a west van or a north van district and a north end city a big area don't get me wrong and again this is a whole three fire chiefs three police chiefs three everything maybe not three police because there's an rcmp in the city um and again you kind of go well, aren't those redundant but that's also like you're not allowed to say that you're not like that's that's frowned upon and there was one that i think that ran in the city the mayor that was one of the things that came out of the city in the district of north end he did not get voted in you're like, does this, does it make sense? No. Is it going to change? Probably not in our lifetime, sadly. Um, so are there other areas you can make an impact? Which your furrowed eyebrow tells me your stance, but there's some things you're just going to have to accept. Capital gains going up 80%. Accept is a funny word, Brady. <laughs> Say reluctantly accept. <laughs> Fair. A lot of things don't make sense to me. And I 
I don't know. Is Does everybody feel this way? Does everybody feel like they're completely rational? Oh, humans are not. Thinking human? Humans does, are not rational. So, no, but does everyone think they are? Because I think, this is the way I think, I think that I weigh the pros and cons of things and I try to pick what is best. Whether that be in a province like British Columbia and real estate and housing mm -hmm. or personally in investing. Mm -hmm. I don't let emotional, like my feelings get involved in something that is so much bigger than that. Like housing is such a hilarious topic in Greater Vancouver and each municipality is drastically different in how they deal with new construction and Poco is on fire and unreal and I love Poco and the mayor of Poco is a freaking rock star. And then you go to New West and it's just like a bunch of old ladies complaining about cookie smells. Dude, it is, go to a council meeting in New Westminster you will have ammo for your comedy routine for years. <laughs> it is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And my brother bought a single family house and he's a, he, him and his uh, brother-in-laws are developers. <clears throat> they bought a house in Queens Park, 1930 something. They, is that heritage? I mean, like Queens Park put it in this heritage referendum or whatever like cool, fun word you want to use after heritage, insert here, uh, that anything pre-1941, you have to get a heritage review so that the city can tell you if it has heritage value. And if it has heritage value, because Sally has a feeling towards the uh, turret on the front of the house, then you can't tear it down. You have to use the structure. So they planned to use the structure, but they went to the city and they said, what do you want us to do with this structure? It's an old house. Hasn't been touched in 85 years. It's going to fall over if we don't do something to it. What would you like us to do? And they're like, well, we need, we want more young families to go into Queens Park. Okay, great. Young families don't have $6 million. Would you like us to make it a duplex? Yeah, we'd be open to that. You uh, passed the, you were allowed to do, or, the city is allowed to put laneways, laneway homes in now. Would you like to put a laneway here? Yeah, it's on the corner of two streets. You can have the duplex on the front, you can have the laneway facing the other street. Sounds good. So they go through the process of getting architects to draw these plans. They're going to lift the house. They're going to move it up. <laughs> Hold on. Lift the house, move it up. They get plans so that this like 3,200 square foot house now is going to be, I don't know. 3,800 square feet, but divided down the middle to be two 1,900 square foot duplexes plus a laneway at the back mm -hmm. that is facing the other street. So he says, like it. It's exactly what we talked about. Uh, Queens Park uh, Committee has a meeting and Sally shows up. <laughs> you're not allowed to say Karen anymore. Let's say you? dozens of Sally's and Karen's. There was a few Karen's show up and it's just like, I remember walking down that street. My friend Karen crossed the street. Her mom made the best cookies and there was this smell. And these developers, they're just ruining our community. How is that relatable, Sally? First of all, you're 96. You haven't contributed anything to the city for three decades. Maybe more. What are we doing here? And then uh, Papa Barry in the back puts up his hand and he says, first of all, he uh, is disgruntled. <laughs> 
And he shares his displeasure with everything that's going on. And then at the end, he says, um, if projects like this are allowed in our, in, in my city, uh, 10% of the profit should be distributed throughout all the owners in, in Queens Park. <laughs> this is not actual, like, fact. This is 100% fact of what happens at Queens Park committee meetings. 10? 10% <laughs> of the profit gets distributed to me, like to neighbors. Do they contribute? <laughs> That makes total sense, right? Like, you, hey, you contribute? I'll Brady, you, you had a client that made a million dollars last year? Perfect. I should get 10% of that. <laughs> I feel like I should too. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's outrageous. And then city council wants to get voted in next year. So like, hey, unfortunately, Sage Construction, we, uh, you know, yeah, you can't do that. Like, well, you told us to do this. What do you want us to do now? And so eventually it just went to like, okay, we're just going to update the kitchen and bathrooms and get rid of this thing because you won't let us do anything. So this, ladies and gentlemen, is the reason, the biggest number one reason that housing is unaffordable in Greater Vancouver. Because municipalities and councils on municipalities who get to determine what can be built in cities are more concerned about getting voted in in a few years than they are about Housing supply, housing affordability, infrastructure, more amenities. They don't care about any of that. They care about making the Sally's happy. Well, unfortunately, and getting Sally voted and from Sally. Karen and what do you call him? Bob? Papa Bob. Papa Papa. Papa Bear? Barry, yeah. Papa Barry in the back there. Put up his hand. Sadly are the ones that are in that fifteen thousand in the district that totally. actually vote. I agree. That's the sad reality. Um now, I, like, I, I think what's also intriguing to me, even looking at the, the district council, that, like there's compensation. It's not a lot. I don't even know what the hour full, you know, hourly uh, commitment will be. But it's not, like I actually thought I'd donate half of it. That was my, like, I'm not, this isn't for money, right? Like I want to help and make an impact and donate the money or half the money um i know you get the tax credit so i like that too but um but at the same time i was like oh like this isn't the compensation that's the important part to me and i wonder and not to say that people shouldn't get paid for what they do but like sometimes that is maybe more um important yeah and that's not meant to be arrogant that's do not meant to be do you know what that looks like what does that compensation look like you for can google it months? is what i'll say i'm not gonna well, if you can Google it, just say it. Uh, I the district is somewhere between forty to or forty five to fifty five thousand dollars a year. I don't know. Again, don't know the and hourly commitment. You don't, okay? So I'm going to assume it's it's not a full time job, but um, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm assuming that's some people's full time job. I'm assuming. I don't know for fact. Um, at the end of the day, they want to keep getting paid. Can you update the planning department when you get voted in? <laughs> I'll see what I can do. Um, I'll see what I can do. I, I mean, that's the sad part is, you know, even over a four-year term, even look at the U.S. president, right? What can he do in four years? She, he or she, excuse me, they. 
can do in four years. Because when you get in initially, the first year is just hopefully get our footing and clean up. You got two years to do something because that fourth year, you're going again. It's only in the second term that you're like, all right, we can make an impact. But even on that last year, you're like, I'm out. Like, good luck. Um, hopefully you guys don't screw this up. Oh, you got Trump? Good luck. <laughs> Sorry, that's a whole nother conversation. But um, at the end of the day, like that's sad reality. Like you just, you can't, there's so much, you know, to your point with the planning department, there's so much bureaucracy. Um, you know, are you going to clean it up to be run like a business? Absolutely not. And if you're going in with that expectations, you're, I'm going to be disappointed. Someone's going to be disappointed because that's never going to happen. So then what's the point of trying to make an impact? <clears throat> Better than zero. My girls or kids or whatever, you know, there's a future for them, right? That, that but do you just teach them to play within the rules and do the best you can because there is no hope of <laughs> adjustment or like reform is a strong word, but like there's no, <clears throat> what's the, what's the benefit of going into a system and coming out of it being extremely discouraged because your goals, I mean, look at, which look are at, maybe ambitious, were never even close to being achieved because 78 Sally showed up to the council meeting look, look and the, said, look screw you, Brady. Look at UK, right? Like she didn't outlast a head of lettuce. Did you see that? You know what I'm talking about? No. Truss, I think it was her. Liz Truss. Liz Truss. So the British... One of, one of my very good friends is, is British and my wife has no idea what he's saying most of the time. Very dry British sense of humor. And she's coming to me like, I, I don't get it. I don't understand. I'm like, ah, I don't get it my, most of the time too, but it, I find it kind of funny. <laughs> so they came up with this thing of like, who's going to last longer, Liz Truss or head of lettuce? So what position does she she's hold? She's the PM of the of United Kingdom. Of, oh. Yeah. Like. She took over Boris Johnson. Just recently. <laughs> yeah. Very, she, very recently. She lasted yeah. 44 days. Good for her. Total. She gave it a shot. <laughs> but when they came up with who's going to last longer, a head of lettuce or Liz Truss, at that point, the head of lettuce won. <laughs> dude, and the head of lettuce is like dressed up with a wig and glasses, dude. It's so good. <laughs> so, it's like British sense of humor. So uh, she bailed? She resigned but she was already like, she was getting a canned. Um, and her conservative, and honestly, she did not, some of the things, like even just reading, you're like, oh, you're in trouble. Um, you know, like some very aggressive conservative strategies and then changed like a week later. And you're like, you should have just probably stuck with it. Like you at least commit to what you're going to, but now to change, like there's no confidence. And if you listen to some of the, the comments, like they tear into her like verbally. They're in a conference and it's like questioning the PM tearing into her. I feel, I feel I actually was uncomfortable listening to it, but that is a dramatic change that doesn't happen overnight. Do you know what? Like, and again, I'm using that as an example, but like that's so far, yeah, it's too dramatic that it has to be, it has to be more gradual. So, so you go like, if I'm not going to make a difference, like one is better than zero. I wonder how she got voted in. Because it seems like the only people that make it to the top of the parties are the puppets that will just do anything from the community of the party below them, right? Like, even look at JT's interviews from, how long has he been Prime Minister? Seven years? Something like that? 
No, it's got to be five now, right? Or Only five? Seems longer anyway. Anyway, like, look what's happening in the States right now. They have a geriatric patient as the most powerful person in the entire world. He can't ride a bike or form a sentence. I mean, the and sad, this person is running. I mean, Trump the United wasn't young States. either, too, right? Like, it's sadly the time it takes to get there and the backing it takes to get there. Um, just, it's 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 a flawed system. Um, and at the end of the day, a lot of it's like just not in our control. It's, it's, that's what I keep coming back to. It just seems like no rational human who is actually trying to better a country is ever going to work their way through the system to be the presidential candidate. Not worth it. But they'll just never make it there. Because throughout the party, they'll just be torn down or be like... Elon for president? Kanye? Didn't Kanye want to run for president? Jesus Christ, Kanye would be terrifying. He's going through some stuff right now. He would be terrifying. Adidas dropping? What did they say? Everyone's dropped him, yeah. 246 million it was what it was going to cost them or something like that in revenue oh, and again i don't know what i'm their revenue is in the billions, billions so yeah. whatever but um yeah just have you watched his netflix i try to stay away from kanye to be honest it's pretty good actually i i enjoyed it um just interesting perspective on where he kind of came from in this chicago and so on and so forth um but yeah, like a fall. Fall. Sadly. Um, and you realize, like, even at that level, like billionaire, right? There's some other issues. There's a lot of issues. But imagine not being annoyed in any way that you lost a $230 million contract. How much money was he generated from Adidas every year? Maybe not that much. If that's their sales. I mean, what did he... Who what else? is he making? $10 a shoe? Probably more. More? I, won't, the, I have no idea. I would never those buy actually those shoes. Is, what are they called? Yeezy? Yeezys. Uh, so apparently... 250 bucks a shoe. He was making around $220 million a year from them. <laughs> Baby. What's his net worth? Can you Google that one? Oh. oh I th- those are never accurate about time. Sure, but <laughs> we can get... Even for plus or minus 10 or, 10 or 15%. It says 2 billion. So we're talking... Somewhere between 10 to 15%, if not a little less, like 5 to 15% of his net worth a year. Now, taxes, blah, blah, blah. But, um, but you got to be like. Apparently, he's no longer a billionaire. What? Because every, everyone's walked away and pulled all their contracts and everything. Well, that would hurt. <laughs> According to Forbes. That doesn't make any sense. Did you ever see... Uh, Your net worth doesn't go down if you lose a contract. Maybe the value of the company, right? Because probably a lot of it's tied up in whatever the name of his company is. Maybe. Did you ever see um, T. Boone Pickens' comment to Drake? Mm-hmm. Do you know who T. Boone Pickens is? I don't actually, like, fully... He was an oil tycoon, I think, in Dallas, Tech, or in Texas. And it was when Drake... Oh, the first million's the hardest... And the T-Boone at the time was like 90-something, 80-something. He goes, the first billion was a hell of a lot harder. <laughs> Drake posts again. It was on Twitter. I just got stunted on my T-Boone pickets. Old, oil, white guy. Right? Like, but a billion is a thousand million. 
That's a lot. That's a lot. Like I, and I know it's, it, it's incomprehensible again, until you're at that level. Um, nobody actually needs a billion dollars. Want and need are two different things. We got 10% inflation, Brady. We're going to need a billion dollars in about six years from now. Interest rates are they going, yeah? Do that. (laughs) Fucked. What a weird world, man. It seems like every year there is just hurdles thrown in front of you. You're a long-distance runner. You're running the Boston Marathon for the very first time, and someone is out there like the guy in Happy Gilmore just driving trucks into your legs. (laughs) Just, I really hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> like I'm, I'm really crossing my fingers. Like, of, isn't that ten years ago the bombing? Isn't that life defined right there in one sentence? The bombing literally was ten. This this coming one, it's ten years. It was Boston. The Boston bombing. Yeah. Ten years. So, so are uh, you wearing a helmet? I don't know if that's gonna help me. <laughs> like, I don't know if that's the difference. Um, Never know. But so. Jordan back, the, the politician guy, was there, finished 20 minutes before the bomb went off. Like savage. He also ran like a 241, which is very fast. Jesus. That is very fast marathon. Um good thing you didn't have a cramp. <laughs> it happens to the best of us, okay? It happens to the best of us. <laughs> that was a cheap shot of Brady. <laughs> Did you ran what marathon was that? BMO. BMO? Double hamstring cramp. How many? 5K before the finish line? Yeah, it was a kilometer 35. Like debilitating double hamstring cramps. Couldn't walk, couldn't move, like stand still. And uh, (laughs) I contemplated, it was was near, um, because BMO finishes around the seawall and you end like Pender and Butte. Um, And I was at that sidewash rock. Something with a tree on Sawash, top. whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What is it? Sawash? Sawash, Sawash rock? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That rock. I said it incorrectly. I apologize. Um, I was there and I mentally did the math on if I quit right now, how far am I from the finish line versus if I just walk the rest of the way? Like that's what's going through my head. And I think my mental math was like, I'm like six kilometers running or I'm like four and a half to five walking like direct to the finish. I guess I should finish. Um, and there was a guy who like took off at the beginning and I'm walking past him. Uh, and he's like, are you cramping? And I'm like, yeah, like, I don't know if it's normal first marathon. And he's like, I've, I've run countless marathons. I've never cramped. I don't know what's going on. And I'm like, I guess that makes me feel a little bit better. Okay. Um, good luck, man. I'll see you later. <laughs> and I hobbled off running. Um, and of course, the last like kilometer, you get the energy again, like full sprint. Albeit I wasn't sprinting, but it felt like it. Um, and was just physically a mess at the end, um, which is a bit unfortunate. I wish I got to enjoy the end because there's so much energy so many people, so exciting, but I was just a shell of a human. Um, and got to, because they, they actually kind of cage you in. You finish at Pender and Butte, and there's literally fences all the way to Burrard. And you have to walk. There's nowhere to sit, because they don't want you to sit, right? They want you to get moving. In the wheelchairs. <laughs> <laughs> well, guy actually, 
finished, I don't know, a couple minutes after me, and there's all the snacks and stuff too, right? This guy's like full up, arms are full of snacks. <laughs> I wanted nothing to do with snacks. Like, I just want to get out of here. And I guess he got double like hamstring calf cramps in the, in the area that walks out. Like sniper hit him. Hits the ground. He's got a white shirt on, bloody nipples, snacks everywhere. Being like, somebody should help him. It's not me though. <laughs> Kept walking. And I got out. I met friends of ours that were there. Andrea, my, my wife, she was waiting for her brother to finish. So they met me at the end with my backpack and they hand me my backpack. And I'm in the little tent. I change and I come out and I'm like, amazing. Like, congratulations. Like, what do you want to do? And like, my mental headspace. I'm a shell. I don't know what's going on. I just need someone to basically like hold my hand and take me somewhere. Do you want to go like grab some food? Do you want to grab a drink? Do you want to go catch a sea bus, get to the other side? You just couldn't make a decision. Uh, I, don't, like, I don't know. Like, just please make a decision and I'll follow. Okay, we'll go here for like a beer. And, and then I just start shivering. Like this terrible experience. And uh, so I sit down. They like give me a coat. Like I, I got changed full like sweater joggers on um i had like an extra sweater over me i'm sitting under my hands uh we go catch a sea bus and the sea bus was warm that was actually quite nice and the my youngest was there nobody even picked you up you had to catch a sea bus yeah (laughs) trust (laughs) me trust me that was a bit bit of a a bone of contention but it's fine it's fine i actually warmed up the sea bus bus are you shivering because it's cold or do you have heat stroke uh no i was calorie dehydrated dehydrated calorie deficient Like, I think it said like 4,000 calories just active. It's at a that lot. Point. Yeah. 3,000, whatever. And I hadn't taken in enough. My, my, everything's just, my body's a mess. Um, so we get on the sea bus and it happened to be low tide. We get over the other side and the friends of ours, their little girl, she had a, her little scooter. And I'm wearing Birkenstocks because I didn't want to put shoes on because my toes, like, savage. And she ends up running into the back of my heel. Not her fault. I'm not upset with her. And it wasn't even running into the back of my heel that hurt. It was the like jarring motion of, of being shocked that something just hit me in the back of the heel. Hamstring cramps, just like, oh, oh my God. Brady hits the floor. <laughs> so I kept walking. I was like, oh my God, that was terrible. And she ends up doing it again. And again, totally out. She's like, four and a bit yeah. at this point right she's she's young she's not meaning to there's nothing malicious same thing like oh, oh, oh. hamstring cramps oh, ruby please i just need you to go in front of me honey like I, <laughs> I can't i don't know what i'm gonna do if you do it again um <laughs> and of course like she's the sweetest little girl um walk along and andrew's like are you okay and i'm like, like i don't know i feel terrible um and it took me it took me a good 24 hours to like feel normal again. Laid on the couch the next day, just like, it, it was quite sad. And even exercising, it took me a good three weeks before I felt normal. And I'm going to go do it again. I was just going to say, so if one of your goals, ladies and gentlemen out there, is to qualify for oh. the Boston Marathon in 2023, this is what you have to look forward to. <laughs> well, and maybe, I don't know. Because he did qualify for Boston. He ran 301, even though... Yeah. Even though his last, that's what, so good. six kilometers took 
No, what? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Forty-five minutes. Yeah, I lost. <laughs> I lost twenty minutes in the last like six kilometers. It was pretty. So you were just over for like four minutes a kilometer, eh? From I was a four twelve. Four twelve. Four thirteen. I think. Um, Until wow. the last six. No, so I was. I was. No, I was on pace for a 241 up until kilometer 35, which I was going too hot. That's the reality. It's like, just plain and simple, too hot. That was not what I should... <laughs> that was not part of the game plan. Um, should have trained harder. Yeah. Worn better comp- compression shirts. <laughs> Honestly, drank water. Yeah. Like, if I... And it was such a weird experience because I knew all my, like... Because I just actually ran a half marathon last weekend. And there was a guy there who's like, I want to qualify for Boston. I'm like, oh man, like amazing. Started talking to him and he's like, yeah, like I haven't run a half yet. I was like, we well, should probably start there. Like that's, I wouldn't jump into a full, it's, it's a lot. So it's like double a half. And I'm like, no, it's probably like triple, like two, 2.5 to 2.8 times a, a half. He goes, no, no, but like distance. I said, yes, physical distance. You're right. But the amount of, of, cause on a half, you can survive probably no gels or like no coverage. It's not ideal, but you can. A full, there's no way. There's no way. You are, you're running out of everything. Um, and I remember coming along Cornwall and I had a little belt. It had two water bottles and I had six gels on me. And I knew, I knew all my kilometer marks to take the gels. And I remember coming along Cornwall and there was like a mental battle going on in my head of, oh my God, I'm so tired. I don't want to take this gel. Brady, you have to take this gel. Can you I don't know take exactly this? what you're talking about. Yeah. Like, have you done one? No, I just I do a lot of hiking and stuff, so kind of same headspace. And you just you just come, you feel so shitty that you just want to push through. But then trying to push through makes you feel even worse. Well, so I rode the Forte, uh, so it's the Grand Fondo, but you go to Cyprus first. Yeah. Um, downtown up Cyprus and then up to Whistler on your bike. And yeah, idiot. Idiot. Um, thank you to my wife, actually, like for, for allowing me to train for this. Um, you know, training on Saturdays was ride from our house or ride from Lynn Valley over to Cyprus, up Cyprus down, up Cyprus down, up to first lookout, ride home. Like that was just a, that was a, that was a ride, you know, up Seymour down. That was a Tuesday. Um, so I'm riding along. And if you know on the road, Sea to Sky Highway where the dam is, uh, it's Daisy Lake, I think is what it is. And I remember getting this feeling like behind my eyes. And I take a night of gel and a bar. So I took in the gel quickly. Um, and I started eating the bar, like shoving it in my face. I'm out of water at this point. And the, the aid stations at Brandywine. So I got a little bit to go. And I remember being like, uh-oh. And I dropped about 25% of my bar. And I was like, please don't let that be my downfall. Like, if that's the difference, I'm in trouble. Um, and it was like somebody turned the lights back on about 15 minutes later. Okay, got to Brandywine, refilled, felt great the whole way. But same thing in this marathon, like just fighting to get this gel, like put my arm behind, pull out a gel, take it in, go. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, a, it was an experience. And, and you know, I'm, I'm hoping to have a better uh, experience at Boston. Um, but do you remember our last podcast? Uh, I was in your condo. Yeah. I listened to it. (laughs) And one of the things you said is that you're not a runner and you don't want to be a runner. And yet we find ourselves talking about you battling through 
dozens of cramps to cross the finish line in a ridiculous amount of time. You're talking about doing a marathon in two hundred two hours and fifty minutes, yeah, which is absolutely good. outrageous. Very good. And you cramped and basically crawled the last six kilometers. I saw his knees. He he crawled. Actually, yes. In it was three oh one. Painful. So you're a runner now. I would consider myself a runner now. <laughs> Unfortunately. Um, why? So, um, <laughs> very simple question. Why? Because uh, I like running. I like running. I feel very head mental clear yeah. when I run. But 30 minutes is great for me. Three hours to me. I would rather hit myself in the head with a hammer 100 times. Uh, yeah, I don't have a good answer is what I'll say. Uh, it started with, uh, if you're familiar with Strava, you're familiar with Strava? Are you familiar with Strava? Yes. Are you on Strava? No, I do not give a shit what other people are doing. I don't actually do care. Well, care. So I'm a competitive individual and it started with Andrea when we had Emma, our second child, March, 2020. Um, she's like, I want to get fit. Emma. Yeah, she, <laughs> Jack, my, my month old is like, let's do this. Um, uh, although she ran around a 400 meter and ran the whole thing, two and a half years old. I was actually really impressed. She told me like six times during this, we ran around Hansworth School for this race. She told me six times, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. It was really cute. She kept running. I was like, great job. Um, but um, were you running beside her? Or yeah, yeah. Walking. Yeah. <laughs> I probably could have, but I was going to, I was going to shuffle a bit more. Harlow, I thought she'd stay with us. She took off. And then at the end, we got there. She's like, I beat you and Emma. Yeah, where'd you, where'd you go, Dad? <laughs> I was like, oh, I like this competitive fire. I can build on this. Um, so, so Andrea wanted to get fit again. Uh, she's like, let's start running. And I'm like, so we end up buying a jogging stroller. And we start running. I'm tracking on Strava. And uh, I went out for another little run. And if you know anything about Strava, there's segments. And this is how my running started. Um, and they're effectively like different routes. Yeah. And if you and I run it, it shows how fast you ran it, how fast I ran it. And then it shows who's run it the fastest. So I thought like these are totally unattainable. I ended up being, I went for a run. I was like fifth. And I'm like, well, I can go faster. Absolutely. I can buy shoes that'll propel before, me forward. Before the shoes. I'll get to the shoes. <laughs> shoes are sweet. Um, so, so I end up like a couple days later just gassing myself. 500 meters. I couldn't run after it. Like I actually had to walk home from there. It was 200 meters, but I was so messed up. Like after I was like, but I got the segment. And I was like, oh, this is addictive. You got it means you... You're I faster the, than the fastest. He's on a leaderboard. And yeah, I got, I got the crown. I yeah. got the crown. Like it's gamified, right? And I was like, I wonder what other ones I can get. So I just started being a crown hunter, which is totally frowned mm -hmm. upon. Um, and you literally go around and pick off people's. Why segment. is that frowned upon? Isn't that what the app is designed around? Yeah. But again, if a real runner, like a, like, cause it's all relative. There's guys I like train with that are faster than me. Right. So you know, that I had a, a running coach for the BMO. His best marathon is like a 210. So 
he could steal anything he wants from me at any point without really breaking a sweat. But he's not as insecure as you are. Absolutely. (laughs) I need as much validation as possible. Um, But he, uh, so like, it's kind of frowned upon in that sense. Like I'm going after this guy's crown when he was probably jogging and I'm like full out sprint. But that's what got me into running was like, oh, like we would build our runs around chasing a segment and I'd leave the girls with her. I tried getting a few segments and pushing the kids a um, little hard. Uh, and then I, I ran a half marathon, um, Seawee's virtual half marathon in 2021. And uh, never, run it, never run over 12. I heard there's a good party gift for that one. That's the Lululemon yeah. one, right? Yeah, they do like shorts and the party afterwards is supposed to be great. But this is a virtual because it was 2021. So uh-huh. no, due to COVID, nothing. Um, and my goal was an hour 30 and I ended up running an hour 26. I was like, oh, and my buddy had just run Boston. And he was like, you got to do Boston. I don't know if it quite works that way. But of course I said, sure, I'll try. So that was last November I started really running hired a hired a running coach um followed the program um and uh i did a 10k and i did the first half half which is around the seawall uh did really well did better than i anticipated ran a 10k in hawaii finished 11th um and then have kind of progressed since then you know um the one actually I won a local 10K in North Van. And, you know, I finished 15th in the last one last weekend. So it's, and again, it's very local, right? Like in the grand scheme of things, I think I'm in the top 5% in the world, which is cool, right? Um, but even after BMO, because it was a bit, of, a bit of a disappointment, right? Like I wanted to run a sub 250, I ran a 301. I believe I talked to you a few days after and... Carl, this was not a disappointment. He was fully devastated Crushed. and I was worried. About Crushed. Him. Like worried. mentally. But I, I'm over it now. I'm not over it actually. But like I needed to check in with him morning, <laughs> every morning. Be like, hey buddy, you, you doing okay today? If you need to talk, I'll come over. He's not wrong <laughs> at the end of the day. And I mean, it, it, uh, even Sean uh, Burke was like, Sorry, you, this is your first marathon. You blew up and still ran a 301. I was like, yeah. Was That's it? so good. Like, I, and, and, I, and I know. <clears throat> and so, so I've taken that, that like, okay, I don't suck. Um, I can always do better. And that's part of the problem with like always wanting to do faster and better. Um, but I actually tried to take some enjoyment in the process. But uh, you go, well, what does that mean? So when we got hit with that snow last December or January, February, whatever it was, running from my house down Lynn Valley Road to go to Grand Boulevard, if you know anywhere that is, and it's like a 1.8 kilometer up and down, but a 60 meter elevation mm-hmm. difference between the top and the bottom. It was the only plowed area I could find that was remotely close. Went and did that like five times, four times, just to get my kilometers in. You know, like pissing rain going for a run in the morning like just all the stupid stuff that now that's the enjoyment i have to have is like the process rather than the result you know the half marathon adam my operations manager beat me totally pissed 
totally pissed. He's an ultra marathon runner. Absolutely. And even Andrea. <laughs> he runs like 120k races. 100, 100 miles. 100 miles. What's that? 160? 160. 160. Yeah. 160. Yeah. Like savage. Um, it's this huge engine, but he's not supposed to be as fast as I am. And he beat me in the last like four kilometers too. Um, I'm super happy for him. Pissed with myself. He's now looking for employment. <laughs> See you later after the fire. Um, no, I'd be screwed at that. But, um, but, but like trying to take some enjoyment in the process of how do you get faster? How do you get better? Um, and how do you enjoy the, like, you know, the, the thing, even the difference between running and, and biking, biking's a process, right? Like, and I just said, enjoy the process, but you get on your bike, your tires popped or tires flat, or, you know, you're, we have digital shifters like, oh, the battery's dead, right? Like stupid things like that running shoes, shorts or tights or whatever now, but super easy and literally anywhere in the world. I'm going down to San Fran, November long weekend, um, shoes, shorts, everything's coming with me. I'll probably run every day. And you know, when I was in Hawaii in March, every day, excuse me. Um, I've never seen so much of Hawaii. Just getting out and running in little communities and little, little like streets or whatever. And I was like, oh, this is, this is really cool. Uh, obviously, you're, you're still challenged by how far you can run. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also see everything. And even with, with marathon training, you're supposed to run slow for long periods of time. Like you, you don't train it always running fast, which is really hard as an impatient person who wants to like, <laughs> just gotta go. Um, and it was actually before he hit Chris Rock, but I listened to Will Smith's book, All in Hawaii. Just like, throw it on, AirPods in, jog along listening to the book. Um, and it was actually a really good book if you get a chance. Uh, after he hit Chris Rock, I was like, oh, okay, that kinda sucks, took away from me, but like, anyways, really good listen, I guess, for me. Um, but, the process, like that's what I'm trying to take some solace in is, is, you know, am I ever going to win the Boston Marathon? Probably. The winners are like 210, 220, I think, elude Kipchoge, the, the world record holder, is going to be in Boston. The dude's going to run like a 20 something, 201, 204. There's not a world genetically. He's 120 pounds in like 5'4, <laughs> 114 pounds in 5'6, sorry. Um, like just, tiny little human you're like well i'm never winning it but you're also just running your own race adam beat me i'm pissed but at the end of the day like he was better great how do i get better um and it's it's also something you can go do for barring injury a long time you don't have to be running marathons after boston i don't think i'll do another marathon i'll do halves 10 gays it's just not as much commitment time wise too especially with three children I like being out of town and I do not run the distances that you do. So when you're exploring an island, you probably see more of the island than I do. <laughs> doesn't matter. But though. I actually really enjoy that. Like waking up early and just running 5K okay. and just like going to a different neighbor. If you're there for a week, just like taking, going right one day and then like south or like left yeah. one day and go north and whatever. And just explore different it's pretty cool. And that, that's one of the enjoyments. I wish I found it a little earlier in life, truthfully, because some of the traveling Andrew and I did when we didn't have children, you know, 
and and I'm super thankful she she loves to to run too, not quite the distances. Although this last half marathon, she's like, I think I want to do half, and I was like, Listen, you've given me a lot of time to go do some pretty crazy things, like whatever you want. I got the kids, um, and and I love like like that's cool to me to be able to go out and and do something together too, where it doesn't matter that yes, I'm running a marathon and you're not. I'll just run at your pace. It doesn't matter. And, and even getting some friends now involved where, um, the buddy that we, he ran this first half marathon this last weekend, he was texting me all Saturday night being like, I'm addicted. This is incredible. Like, how do we do more? Absolutely. He's like, how do I get as fast as you? And I was like, yeah, good luck. <laughs> um, and again, not to be an ass, but like genetics play a part in this. And, um, that's where I said to him, like, you got to enjoy the process. Nobody cares that you're up at 5 a.m. going for 20K. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. But the process is what matters. My rant. I got a few follow-up questions. What? Watch your hands, though. Keep, like, hitting Sorry. The, the chair. <laughs> Mike's can hear that. <laughs> okay, you are very into now you found this thing on the side of business and for me it's golf and it's like obsessive for me. Mm, okay. Do you think that is valuable to your business? <laughs> Cause the time it must take for you to run a un- sub three marathon, you're probably spending a lot of hours in a day training for this thing. Mm-hmm. Do you think that is mutually beneficial to each other? Do you think that is, taking away hours from a business from growth in the business do you think that is the mental benefit of this venture on the side is helping you be better with your clients and employees and running Uh, a business it's a great question um i mean the i wouldn't call networking but the the community that is in biking as well, because the biking will probably be summer and the other months will be running. Um, biking is probably more social, isn't it? Depends, yeah. honestly. You know, um, it can be, but it can also be, you know, you're both hammering up Cypress and you're not talking a lot if your heart rate's at 160, 170. There's no way. Or... You're riding in line rather than beside each other. Well, hard to talk this way. Mm-hmm. Usually it's like you stop somewhere, you grab a coffee, you grab, that's when the camaraderie happens. You know, biking is interesting because, you know, somebody's spending seven to $15,000 on a bike, not somebody who's making 50 grand a year, typically. Um, or $120 on shoes. Yeah, it's more on shoes, but... Well, uh, you can get decent shoes for 120 bucks. You can get yeah, phenomenal shoes for 220. Absolutely. <laughs> um, my day-to-day like running shoes are 111, yeah. right? And I just get them on sale. Um, and I buy like three of them because I know I'm going to burn through them. But uh, the running is nice because a lot of your long runs, you're supposed to be able to talk. So if you can get a group that you're similar with, with, similar with excuse me, um, you can go out for a long run and chit-chatting the whole time so that camaraderie is cool to see 
And then so many unique subsets of people, right? A couple of guys I'm training with right now are both doctors. So, you know, is there any business that's going to come to that? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Um, They're good people. And I'm going in with the intent of we're training for something. If that comes, great. If it doesn't, it's okay. So I think leading with the business side, you know, is it good for business? I don't think it's bad. Um, I don't think it's like, you know, the ultimate networking thing. But you meet different people that you just don't know where it leads, right? Like a little different, but, you know, somebody's going to be buying and selling a house probably. Um, And if you can go, you know, even afford to run the Boston Marathon, like not just get in. It's not cheap to go. Like flights, the hotel, American dollar, everything. I was like, oh, this is, you know, like a $5,000 four-day trip. Mm. Because hotels, 500 bucks USD a night. Flights are 1,200 bucks. And, you know, then you're buying, like I have fresh shoes already in the box for Boston. They won't be used until the week before. They're $300, $240 shoes. Are those the fast shoes? Yeah. Those are legal still, eh? Uh, they're all legal now. Isn't it like taking steroids? You cheater. What they are they are. called? Was it the Nike Free? <clears throat> and or? the Vaporflies or the yeah, Alpha Flies. Um, I mean, all the brands have them now. Um, Adidas has their super shoe. Saucony's got their super shoe. Super uh, <laughs> They are. What a weird concept. That's like a cork bat in the MLB. They are. <laughs> they, <laughs> are. they are. They are the equivalent. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that's what's the most impressive when I meet somebody that's like, oh yeah, I ran like a 235, like 30 years ago. I'm like, imagine what you would run today yeah. if you were that same person. Because um, the super shoes are, like even in the half marathon, thousands of dollars worth. You just look down, it's like Nike, Saucony, uh, Hoka, insert all. And you're like, at minimum, these are two to 250 a piece. So any good runner is wearing super shoes now? Oh yeah. I mean, even, even the not like elite they make a difference. You know, you, you, they don't just make you run faster. They just allow you to use less energy, which in turn, that energy can be turned into speed, sure. right? If you've got speed. Um, and, you know, I, I've got an, one pair now, like I went out for a run today and it was just, it was more comfortable. My knees felt better. My hips felt better. They're not my racing shoes anymore because they've got enough kilometers on them. They're a little worn down for the like pop. Um, but, they are, you know, going from an aluminum bike to a carbon bike. Carbon's not cheating. It's just, can you afford to buy carbon versus aluminum? It's a better bike, more rigid. Um, but uh, yeah, from a business perspective, I don't know. From a mental perspective, you know, I've been running, I run in the mornings. I find the afternoons challenging. It's just not a time I physically like to get going. I like to get it done in the morning. Um, and usually before the girls are up at this point because you know my goal is to get home before andrea and the girls wake up to have a coffee ready for andrea that's my goal so if i have to go run 20k it's going to take me an hour and 30 minutes hour and 40 minutes great i got to be starting at five if she's up at seven um and then it also doesn't disturb my time with them Mm. so you know am i tired sure i'm gonna be tired regardless though irrespective of if I get up at six or five or four forty, doesn't matter. I'm going to be tired. So let's get some work done. Um, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts, listen to yours, 
um, audiobooks, just putting in that extra time where, you know, maybe it's not always as most the most practical, but, you know, can I get one or 2% better in that period of time for educating myself or listening to whatever? Um, because a lot of my long runs are meant to be, I'm supposed to be able to listen or talk. Um, Energy is challenging. Physical health. I mean, I'm always curious what, what it's going to be like when I'm 30 years older. You know, am I destroying my knees because I'm going out and running this much? Um, fortunately, my wife's got incredible benefits and I'm at uh, physio massage at least once a week each. That, actually, and, and I'd say, you know, knock on something. I'm allowed to knock that time. Um, uh, I haven't been injured today. And... A lot of it's just, I'm at physio once a week, wearing needles, everything. Um, that was not supposed to happen. Uh, and then massage is once a week just to make sure like we're staying limber and he's stretching me out. Um, and I think that's been a huge reason. Does it take up time? Absolutely. Um, but at the same time, I think, you know, those Two individuals are also clients of mine. So can I accomplish something there while giving them money? Perfect. Um, I don't know. That's kind of my mentality with it. I also, after the Boston Marathon, I don't think I'll be doing marathons. I'll go back down to halves, which just commitment-wise, nowhere near. Nowhere near. You know, like marathon training is a lot if you want to do it well. Um, you know, a Saturday's out for three hours. Just out. And it's not like you come home and you're like jacked up with energy, you're tired. <laughs> and suddenly you've been out for three hours and Andrea's like, here's the kids. You don't get to sit down. You're like, <laughs> Sweet, okay, here we go. Um, but at the end of the day, you just keep moving. And, you know, okay, let's go swimming. Let's go to soccer. Let's go to, and inevitably you're tired. But again, as I mentioned, it's coffee and you're going to be tired regardless. What does your daily recovery look like when you're training? How much are you stretching? Are you cold tubbing? Are you doing, any, you're not doing any of that. Massage you're having a banana afterwards and then kid time? <laughs> yeah, basically. That's it. I mean, again, they're not as, like they're physically taxing. There's no doubts, but. Um, you don't even stretch? I mean, my physio, when we started with him, he's like, okay, so we got some exercise. I'm like, I'm never going to do that. Like, let's be very frank. If we want to do it, let's do it here. Do you have a Theragun? I do. You use it? No. <laughs> I have it. I have, I have all the bands. Do you roll? No. So you don't stretch, you don't roll. No. You don't Theragun. No. You get a massage once a week and you or run twice, sub yeah. three marathons. Lucky. <laughs> I'm, I'm more of a jack of all trades. Not really good at anything. Like, I'm not bad. I'm just kind of like, Slightly above average on everything, you know, other than like hockey and basketball, I'm not very good at, but, um, but most things it's like, oh, I can probably be like above average. Um, so I do that. The clothes fitting is an interesting one. Nothing fits me right now. I know me too. Good problem. <clears throat> I'm not complaining, but I've worked out quite like weights quite a bit in the last two or three years. And so medium in my favorite brands fits my body now, whereas it used to be like medium fit me lengthwise, but it was kind of baggy. Oh, okay. Baggy. Baggy. But then smalls were like so short that you could see my belt when I was wearing a t-shirt. 
But it fit like my arms and my chest way right. better. And what brand is this? I'm just I'm talking about Travis Matthews and golf brand. <laughs> oh, okay, there you go. <laughs> yeah. I was a large for the longest time. And now like mediums. I have this shirt in You were large stuff, really? I was. Most Lululemon mediums fit me pretty good now. That's that's all I and even this is like floppy on me at times. Um but I mean when I played football I was six foot two hundred and thirteen pounds, right? Yeah, that's probably large. Rugby, I was 190, and then now it's like buck 75, maybe. Maybe a little more, but it's it's great. I'm not complaining, but um, that is the nice thing about running, though. You can eat everything. Oh, yeah. It's great. <laughs> great. But the last thing I wanted to bring up today, um, you mentioned it quickly before you started. You talk about podcasts and like learning and where you're trying to get out of. You're now coaching. Talking about a coaching thing that you're doing next week. Next week? Two weeks? Your financial planner. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm doing a talk. It's it's actually Friday. Um, two days after this <laughs> podcast, which this won't be out by then, so it doesn't matter. Uh, before Halloween, let's say that. Um have you done this before? I have. I have. Um, so the office that uh, I'm associated with or holds my license, uh, the individual, one of the managing people there was like, can you speak? Um, and of course, I'm like, what am I talking about? Like, I have no idea. Um, and she gave me this like <laughs> this topic. That means nothing. But I'll run with it. Um and then she gave us some like questions she wanted to answer. Um, and the office does this to bring in, you know, when I was a younger in the business, successful advisors, and they give a little talk on, you know, what's worked for them, what hasn't. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going into this. Uh, I don't actually really know. I know what I'm going to say, um, but I never know what's going to resonate. And who's actually going to listen? Because now it used to be in person, right? Which you could actually gauge audience. This is Zoom. Well, a little lame, but. Um, it is weird. I've done the Zoom ones too, like with, I don't know, 40 or 50 people. And it's. I feel less nervous going in. But it's weird that you can't like get into a bit of a flow. You know, like usually. I've done like a few in-person public speaking things. And when you start talking, you can like read emotion on people's faces. And like, okay, yeah. they're engaging here. And then you kind of like relax a little bit. And in the Zoom stuff, I'd say I don't get as nervous going in. So my I'm not as high nervous wise, but I just stay flat. Yeah. Versus like in person, usually I'm more nervous because like people are looking at you. And they're in person and you can see them. But as you can like read emotion and see people are engaging, you kind of come down and get comfortable. It's weird. Yeah, I think this is the third or fourth time I've done this to this office and I've done one at a national conference. Um, and it's, you know, you're just trying to, I, I think back to the times when people did this to me or like they were speaking to me and like, what did I pick up? And yeah, I, I, I dress super shoes. I dress the, the marathon. Um, 
I go through like what's happened from basically November 2019 to now. Um, and it's pretty, looking backwards, it's nice to like, wow, there's been a lot of stuff that's happened since then. It's just you don't appreciate it until you actually take a second. So I think that's where I'm trying to come at it from, you know, that younger advisor perspective of I was you. I, like I've been there. It's hard. Maybe harder now. You know, here's, here's what I did then that I still do today. And rather than the like, you know, here's how you're successful. It's, no, like, it's not helpful. It's not going to help. Sorry. Um, Is it more like strategy? Is it more um, addressing people's concerns and how you communicate? Or is it more marketing to get new business? Probably a little bit of everything, to be honest, right? Like marketing from a firm perspective of potential new advisors to bring onto the practice. Um, you know, sharing what's worked for us, sharing what hasn't worked for us too. Um, talking about enjoying the process, as I mentioned, you know, talking about technology, talking about um, activity, habits, support, um, teamwork, right? Like bringing up a lot of those things too. This is a lot of it's about some of the questions that were asked of me was, you know, positioning how bringing on an operations manager and administrative assistants and another advisor. And, you know, how's that been? How's the process been of, you know, your communication and, and expectations and all those things. Um, because it sometimes gets lost around, you know, wow, you're doing so well. And it's like, yeah, okay, great. But that comes with other stuff. And that didn't happen all at once. It's 11 years. And literally in the last, since 20, November, 2019 to what, three years, it's probably 80% of the growth is since then of the, of the grand scheme of things. Right. And it, but for what, eight years, it's like, yeah, we're growing, but then like, and then also what does the future hold? What are we looking for? What are we thinking about? And then also realizing I have no idea. I'm just trying to figure it out. So talking about a little bit about CEO group, talking about like things like that, you know, sprinkling in, um, that, that's kind of my, take on it and just trying to give a snippet to a young advisor who maybe was like me who needed to hear those things from someone who's a little farther in to just keep going just keep doing that it works i promise it's not pretty but it works same thing with marathon like the only way to run a marathon is to run that's it there's no substitute as much as it gets shoved in our face of like, this person's successful, they did this, this. Let's be honest, like 90% of it is work. Maybe more, 95, 99. It's work, hard work. It's not pretty. Nobody cares that you're up at 5 a.m. running. Nobody. It's interesting because social media has this facade that like the successful, it's just Bentleys and Rolexes, right? Everything about your industry and my industry is just wealthy. And a new person getting into the industry, I don't think really understands how challenging and how unsexy 85% of what you do every single day is, right? Maybe more. Yeah. There's a lot of conversations that are really fun. There's a lot of cool properties that we get to see. There's a lot of, you know, big numbers that you see. 
But year one, year two, year three, year four, year five, like it takes a long time to get to those sexy conversations and those big numbers. Think about million dollar listings, selling sunset, like all those things, right? Guilty pleasure, selling sunset. Not going to lie. That is probably the worst it's so TV bad. show that's ever been on TV that Judge I've ever Judy's seen pretty in my bad. entire life. I'm going to be honest. I've, I've seen too much Judge Judy recently and for no other reason than it's like on in the background. Anyways. Um, I watched one episode of Selling Sunset and at the end, I had three outcomes. One, I wanted to quit being a real estate agent because this is what the media is telling everyone that a real estate <laughs> yeah. agent is. Two, I never wanted to go to California again, even though I love California, but everything about that show makes me very, very, very upset. And three, I wanted to call or email someone and tell them that this is not how real estate is is done. What the hell? I watched a 60-minute episode, and I saw two houses. Most of it was them in their office just yelling at each other. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, you're not watching it for the the real estate's like a side thing. You're watching it for something else. it's like Big Brother real estate. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Right, right? It's, again, guilty pleasure, but, but that's what's portrayed of like what success looks like. It's completely wrong. Like not that those people may or may not work hard. I have no idea. Um, but the, the, you know, Ryan Sir, Sir Hint, Sir Haunt, Sir Hint. Uh, I follow him on LinkedIn. He, he, he might be French. You can call him Sir Haunt. <laughs> Whatever it is. I follow him on LinkedIn. Uh, I love what he puts out. But again, he's, he's built this brand now, which is really incredible. It's work. Simple. Like, and again, luck plays into that. Where, where geographically, all these things play into it. But the common denominator is work. Habits. Doing it over and over again for a long period of time. Consistency. Every day, year, month, whatever timeline. 80 years of saving $97 a month. 80 years. That should be the moral of the story of this episode and this podcast and life is expecting short-term results is the way to fail quickest. If I was to put $97 into a bank account for two years and then be like, well, why aren't I a millionaire yet? Like, you're going to be one day. It just... Time. It's doing... Uh, something productive every day or every month in this case of this guy over and over and over and over and over again results in really, really exciting things in the future. And it's just this instant gratification thing. And don't get me wrong. Like I want, I want results now. I want it. doesn't exist. It's not reality. If you search it, you will fail. If that's your mindset of like, whether it be wealth or a relationship or work whatever yeah it's just it's just it's just not the reality and that's the, the I, and not that i am successful um but it's just can you put in the work blindly and and hopefully move in the right direction right like i i would say you're successful and i would say you've been success. successful in multiple different aspects of your life one being pretty cool family one being a pretty cool business, two being, or next being like the training for a marathon and successfully running a very, very fast marathon, even though you sucked at the end. <laughs> but so, so the, the perspective I give there is like, I've had success 
and and a, a client of mine I actually re- met the other day. He put it really. I really love the way he put it. You know, he's like, I am successful by you know standardized things, money, income, all these things. He goes, I don't want that. I want to be significant, and I loved that because it's open ended, right? Success is is, and I've met so many people recently or clients where I'm like, they're, they're not happy, right? Which is such a weird thing. And that was my question. Are you happy? You have money. You're never going to run out of it, ever. But are you happy? Like, what's the point? What are you giving up? At what cost, right? And that significance is a little more easier to define, Um not easier, but like you can define that. What what is going to be your significance? And and I think that's the interesting part around habits, right? Having success, being successful, right? Like what is what does that mean, right? It's running the race is a bit bit of a disappointment, right? The process that's what makes me successful. And then having a, a you know like cool celebrating when you hit a target or whatever it may be, right? Just but enjoying the how you got there and taking a step back. That's what I think the success means to me now, right? Like raising children. I have no idea what I'm doing. Zero. Nobody does. Nobody does. And um, watching my little humans, uh, you know, my, my four and a half year old makes her bed. Incredible. Incredible. Like I said to my wife, because I, I make my bed, <laughs> make our bed, I guess, technically. And I said, if, our four and a half year old can do this. We can do this. Right. And, and, but that habit being instilled in her, you know, teaching her how to not, and it's purely out of laziness, take off her shirt inside out because I don't want to reach my hand down the little sleeves and pull it out because my hands are bigger than their little sleeves. But like teaching her those, those habits, right. I think are, that's successful to me, but it's a process, right. And watching whether it's the running, whether it's the business, whether it's my relationship, right? And and those are that's what builds the significance to me, in my opinion. But who knows? We'll we'll find out along the way, I guess. You're a good dude, man. I very much appreciate you. Appreciate our friendship. I appreciate what you do for me on the advice side in the financial world. I uh, a lot of big things coming from Brady Carpenter and <laughs> Numo Financial. <laughs> Thank you for having me, too. And in the Boston Marathon, April? Uh, April 17th, yeah. What day do you get back? April 20th or something? We fly out uh, Saturday, Sunday. Monday's the race. Tuesday, I'm Michelle. Wednesday, uh, I hope to not be Michelle this time. Um, Wednesday night, we fly home. So, um, get back Wednesday, Thursday, I guess, the whatever date that is, I guess the 20th. Um, That's my birthday. So maybe we'll do it the next day. 21st. <laughs> We're doing a podcast. April 21st. To recap the uh, yeah. the marathon. Well, the, if the you f- can't get down the stairs, Carl will piggyback. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be really light, I promise. <laughs> um, well, February 12th, I ran a half marathon and it's Super Bowl. That was a terrible mistake. No, it's incredible. I did it last year. It was incredible. Because you're coming off a high. You're like, you, you, you go run, run in the morning. Yeah, you run oh, in the morning, and then the when watch mm-hmm. Super Bowl in the afternoon, it was awesome. I mean, I, I like, and Andrew gives me a lot of sympathy when I run. <laughs> so, would do you want another beer? Do you want to like? Oh, 
this is incredible. Should I run every day, like all the time? Um, but then it get mundane. But yeah, I'm and that's I'm I'm excited for that one. And then Boston will be uh, will be an experience. I got a 10k in Hawaii in between too. Um, I'm trying to go top five. I'm gonna try and go top five this time. I got beaten the last 200 meters. It's pretty disappointed. I hope that dude uh, who runs 205s doesn't show up. What's his name? Oh, uh, well, he's not gonna show up for the Hawaii one, but. Um, <laughs> I don't think, I think that's a little below him. Um, and he, he'd probably run in like 27 minutes, 10K. Uh, well, that's a 10K. That's not a half. Yeah, no. So that's a, uh, a 10K in Hawaii. Yeah. Elude Kipchoge. What's um, your time for a 10K? Uh, I was 35, 36 or something like that. So I hope to be around like 34 and change, 34, 30, 34, 40. I think that gets me into top five in that race. Um, unless somebody shows up um, but that'll be it part of the process thanks for coming on again man thanks man appreciate it thanks Carl